Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. Coinciding with the return of the Premier League, Simon Jordan and Martin O'Neill join me to reflect on some of the biggest stories in the game, including Harry Kane's departure from Tottenham and Moises Casado heading to Chelsea for £115 million. Yesterday at Stamford Bridge, I mean, it was a lively 1-1 draw, that is for sure. What about Salah throwing a small tantrum as he was subbed off by Klopp? Klopp was like nothing to see here afterwards. But um, do we give passes to big-time players when it comes to attitude? Good point. Well, I, I can see it from both sides now. First of all, as a manager, when a player is throwing a tantrum, I've just taken him off. I'm really irritated with it. You know, he continues this sort of um, uh, tantrum carrying it on and then maybe maybe as I look behind me maybe still carrying on as he sits down that I can't have I must admit and a couple of times I've, I've nailed a couple of players who, who have had tantrums generally speaking the reason I've taken them off is because they've been pretty poor and, uh, and so I don't think that they've any sort of excuse getting back to the other one as a player Unfortunately, I have actually done that myself. I have thrown a few, a few tantrums. One in particular was the the Charity Shield final in 1978. We're playing Ipswich, and uh, we are. Uh, I have just scored my second goal. We're leading Ipswich four, so I've got a, I've got about 14 or 15 minutes in which to score a hat trick in the game. This is so. Clough takes me off. My final, my final piece of action was actually scoring the goal. So we weren't in the best of terms at the time. And as I've just gone past him, I've said, scared in case I got the hat trick, were you? And oh, oh, he was apoplectic. He got <laughs> up and he said, don't you ever speak to me like that. And so he, he's the manager. He was also Brian Clough and he was brilliant. <laughs> and you never so, did it again, I take it. Uh, well... Actually, I'll follow on from that later on, uh, believe it or not, when it comes to a point, again, to my total embarrassment and to my total discredit about not turning up for a game of football. But my reasons in mitigation were actually because I'd been left out of the side when I didn't think I should have been left out. It wasn't because I didn't want to play. I wanted to play I've read the book, all I the, know all about it. <laughs> I wanted to play all the time. And uh, to my eternal discredit... I didn't turn up for a game. That was bad news as well. Oh. Do not, 
do not not turn up for a game when Brian Clough is the manager. That amazes me about you. I never thought. I, I uh, never. I, I cannot put you in that category. Oh, my head had gone at the time. That you you didn't yeah. turn up for a game. I didn't turn up for charge. a game. Yeah, yeah. I didn't turn up for a game. I'll 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 try and I'll try and tell it to you in about four sentences. Right. Okay. I was playing centre midfield at the time, which is the position I wanted to do. I'd been playing wide right for quite a number of years, but Brian Clough thought my best position was wide right, and he, he, might, he might have been right at the time. Doesn't really matter. But then, when everybody got fit, I got shifted back out to a, a wide right, where I'd been playing really well. The results had been really good for Forrest at the time, and uh, then I got shifted out. And then after one game, then he made me sub against Stoke. I thought, this is it. I'm just, I went into his office and said, I'm not turning up. He said, you be there tomorrow. And I didn't turn up for the game. The bad news, John Roberts, my friend, phoned me that, that, that morning and said, Martin, do you want to hear the good news or the bad news? He said, the good news is that the game is off against Stoke. The bad news is that Brian Clough came over from Derby because he normally collected around about Derby to go to, to Stoke. And he's come over to see whether you were on the bus or not. So on Monday... I, I walked into the training ground. He and Peter Taylor just uh, just pulled me into the office, waylaid me in many aspects, verbally, and um, fined me, suspended me for two, for, for a fortnight. And uh, and I have to say, they were right, and, and never to do that again. But it was the frustration was blinding me at this day. So in mitigation, I thought I was doing the right thing. I Many years later, it, I wasn't. Well, I mean, I noticed Martin's former assistant at, uh, with the Republic of Ireland, Roy Keane, said yesterday he wasn't impressed saying Salah should sit mm. down and shut up. Well, I think he's right to an extent. I mean, look, the eternal battle has raged over decades of players believing that they have the ability to be able to countermand or supersede a manager's opinion. And the manager is the manager. In that instance, Martin's on £750 a week. These guys are on... 50, 60, 100, 250,000 pound a week. They're independent islands in their own right. And the jurisdiction yeah. and control means the management skills that managers have to have are even far more varied now because you've got different levers to have to pull. I don't think a player should be skipping off the pitch if he thinks he's done a good job. Also, he's got in the back of his mind he's scored a goal in every single game for the last seven seasons he's been playing with English football. He's got a personal little milestone, right? Wonderful. But it's about, there's no I in team, is there? It's about the team. And so he's coming off and he's having a little turn. That's not a problem. Because if you think you've done well, you don't want a player hopping, skipping off. You think, what's that all about? But the histrionics behind the scenes where you're carrying it on, that's where Keane qualified it. Roy is very abrupt and to the point, and I like it. I like the fact when he, when he, when he moves out of the pantomime, victim part, uh, pantomime villain part and goes into the actual analysis of it, it's great to listen to. And I think he's right, but he qualified it by saying, I don't mind him coming off like that, but if you carry on behind the scenes, pack it in, sit down and shut up. And I think he's right. And I guarantee you that Klopp, to camera, will say nothing about it. He'll say nothing about it because he won't be wanting to give anybody any legs in this particular debate. But behind the scenes, he'll say to Salah, not sure about that, not necessary. I understand you're frustrated, but I'm the manager and that's the end of the discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Probably. Uh, yeah. Play it down in front of camera, though, that is for sure. On Caicedo, Moises Caicedo, from Brighton to either Liverpool or Chelsea. Simon, how does this happen? Um in 2021, Brighton paid four and a half million for this boy yep. when he came in from Independiente del Valle. 2021. Now we're talking about 115 million. Well, this isn't un this isn't uncharted territory. You can look at Philip Coutinho coming into Liverpool eight and a half million, and two years later being sold to 147 million to Barcelona. Mm. Good scouting 
and the need for players and the timing and other people's desires are something you can't price in. Brighton would have never looked at this player saying we've got a four, we've got a good player here. Mm. Clearly they've got good players. They've got good scouting networks. They use a variety of different things, whether it's Dan Ashworth's influence or whether it's algorithms that Tony Bloom and his guys put into the equation to make sure that players are being bought in the right fashion. But nobody would have suggested, not even the most ambitious of people, that within 18 months this guy's going to be going for 25 times what they bought him for. That you know, you can always you can look. I bought Andy Johnson in a free transfer for Clinton Morris and sold him two years later for ten million quid. Scales mm. and mm-hmm. fifteen years ago, but it's still yeah. a, a yeah. significant expansion. Football is this wonderful thing where beauty's in the eye of the beholder, and the need and the desire and the economics and the timing of situation. And Brighton have been wonderful. I mean, look at Cucurella, look at that transfer. Oh. That wouldn't happen mm-hmm. again at sixty million quid. Yeah. Yeah. Look at some of the deals that have been done recently. It is remarkable that we're talking about a player that's got a very small body of work behind him in English football that's going for a transfer fee that's so almost ridiculous. It's, 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 it's part of the course now. We've seen the seal being broken, this desperate seal. It was broken, well, it, it was less than a million quid for Trevor Francis, but it was broken, you know, 43, 44 years ago for Trevor, and it's gone up. Steve Daly was next, and then mm-hmm. on and on we went. And now you've got this desire to, to spend 100 million quid as if it's some badge of honour, but this is the market forces. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Martin, I think this is one tailor-made for Simon. So many people getting in touch this morning. Uh, and I'll just take one at random. There's Brett. Surely, 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 Chelsea in breach of FFP. What are they doing? This cannot be right. Chelsea have now broken the British transfer record twice in the space of a few months. And the Caicedo deal, if it goes through, Martin, will take them to more than... £800 million spent in just over a year under the new Todd Bully ownership. So Chelsea will now have paid Brighton, incidentally, almost £200 million on player and managerial signings. Mm. I mean, when it boils down to it, Simon, explain this to us. I mean, has Bully been more disruptive to the Premier League landscape than the likes of Abramovich ever was? Well, you have to look and see what he's doing because no one's bought a football club for £2.5 billion quid. So Bramwich bought it off Ken Bates 20-odd years ago and paid a certain amount of money and then went on a spending spree. And if you, if you price in inflation, it's comparable to what um, Todd Bowley is doing. Um, I don't like it. I think it is prolific and profligate. But you also have to look at what he's actually doing. He believes, I think, that there's much more revenue around in the football world than is currently being achieved, whether it's digitally or a variety of different opportunities that Chelsea believe they're going to build. But here's what's happening with their transfer spend. And here's what's happening with their ability to be able to adhere. I think it, they'll struggle to do it in a longer game if they don't start getting some achievements on the pitch. But here's what they, where they really are. They've spent £800 million on players. They spent £600 million last year. They capitalised that over eight years. All those players were on eight-year contracts. So all of a sudden, that £600 million spend is reducing at £75 million a year. So you're charging £75 million because you're dividing £600 by eight. Right? You're reducing your 600 million spend mm-hmm. by 75 million every year. He's now had that change because they didn't like it. The football fraternity went, you can't do that over eight years. We only want it back to five. So this year's spend right, will be 300 million, around about that. Right. And we're reducing at 60 million a year. So he's now losing 75 million each year from the spend last year, mm-hmm. plus 60 this year. But he's gone and sold 250 million worth of players in three transfer windows. And all of those players have, 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 have produced an outcome that have been profitable to Chelsea. He sold, he sold Kai Havertz for 60-odd million quid. He bought him for 60-odd million quid. But on his balance sheet at the time, when he sold Kai Havertz, he was carrying him at 25 million. So he sold him for 60. He's booked a 35 million pound profit. 
He sold Mason Mount, who's an academy player, for 60 million quid. Mm. He's booked a 60 million pound profit. So over the three windows, he's booked somewhere in the region of 200 million worth of transfer gains. On his balance sheet, and he's, and he's reducing it by 135 every year. So he's 65 million pound in credit right now, on his balance sheet against mm. transfers. That's how he's doing it. Now, eventually, if Chelsea don't pull up revenue and start to get back in the Champions League or ge- generate other revenue streams, this is going to catch up with him sooner rather than later. But right now, 800 million pounds worth of spend. It equates to £135 million a year worth of transfer losses right. or depreciation. And then you've got £200 million worth of transfer gains on Havertz, on Mason Mount, on uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, yeah. and on and on we go. Look, look who they've sold. But it's right? a gamble in the longer term. Well, If it, they don't start doing it it's a gamble, on the pitch. It's a gamble in terms of the consequence around financial fair play. Now, let's look at what the consequence is. The consequence in financial fair play is a financial consequence, right? Are we suggesting that people that have paid two and a half billion pounds for a business that are, that are funding eight hundred million pounds of transfers won't take a smack on the on the on the knuckles like other clubs are getting right now? Ten million here, twenty million pounds there. I'm not suggesting he's aiming for that, but right now people are saying, how the hell can you spend eight hundred million pounds on transfer fees and not be breaching financial fair play? Well, I've just told you, if you're if you're depreciating that at one hundred and thirty-five million pounds a year. And you've just sold 250, 260 million pounds of players of a fee transfer windows, and most of those players, with the exception of Timo Werner, which was sold at break break even, are get, booking you a profit. You've just covered the last 18 months worth of potential losses and going into next year as well. Now, in 18 months' time, if Chelsea are still spending at this level, are still carrying that level of depreciation, haven't balanced the books by selling more players, right. and haven't got themselves into the Champions League, then they're going to get caught. I'm with you. So answer me this. Mm. Could Sullivan and West Ham, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'll put it to you, go on something of a similar spending spree because, in the longer terms, they'll have balanced the books well, you, with 105 well, for Declan uh, and maybe, did yeah, I say it, right 70 now. for Paqueta. But, but, but here's the thing, right? What did, I, what did I tell you about Newcastle? I said to you, Newcastle can spend money and they can spend big money and they'll spend 120, 150 million. No, they won't. They've got no money. It's not a bottomless pit. They've gone in and spent another 150 million quid, Newcastle. They spent 150 to 200 million last year. Since they've walked through the door, the, um, the Saudis will have spent somewhere in the region of three or four hundred million quid, getting close to that, right? And no one's talking about the complications of, of Newcastle's financial fair play, and they've only just got into the Champions League for the first season. So they can do it, but of course it's again how they spend their money and how much profit they've got in players. Declan Rice is a straightforward hundred million to profit. So they've now got a player that was an academy player that's got no carrying value. The moment they sell him for hundred million pounds, they've booked a hundred million pounds profit on that transfer. Now, of course, other players that they've bought previously, they're carrying a legacy mm-hmm. of <clears throat> losses and also players that are depreciating. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. Be, and this is why you know Bowley's made a horlicks of the of the on-field stuff right now in terms of the managers that he's chosen and the performance he got from the team last year. But the economics, this this guy doesn't spend. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not admiring it, by the way. I'm explaining it. This guy doesn't spend two and a half billion pounds on a football club and doesn't know the ramifications of the economic model that he's building. He may not know a football manager from you know a pound of sprouts, but he does know the economics mm. of business. Yeah. And that's why they're they're okay at Chelsea. They will be able to, unless they've carried huge losses in the last three years that right. haven't been qualified by COVID and things of that nature. Yeah. They're okay, Chelsea. Mm. So they're okay like like Everton were. As explained by Mr. Jordan, that's how bullies doing it, Martin. 
Well, that's a brilliant explanation, I must admit, because I, I, I didn't realise, I obviously uh, knew about depreciation. Just tell me then, Simon, so I know f- financial fair play didn't exist at that uh, time when you were at Crystal Palace, yeah. but did you work the same sort of model in terms of depreciation of players? You well, know? Of course you do. It's, a sta- yeah. it's been a standard principle standard, for years, yeah. and that's how you value players. I think it's an unfair principle, because if you've got a player on your balance sheet, and he's and like Declan, like Declan Rice... On, on West Ham's balance sheet, he couldn't prop up their balance sheet economically because he was worth nothing mm-hmm. in terms of capitalization. Yeah. But in market prices, he was worth 100 million quid. And the mm-hmm. only time they could have ever capitalized that is when they sold him. Mm-hmm. And I often think that's a flawed perspective for football because it doesn't help football clubs look economically solvent. Yeah. And if they're going to be governed by depreciation, they need some help. And I think the football authorities, without boring people lecturing economics, should look at it differently. But and I also think it's preposterous. Mm-hmm. If you buy a building, um, and, and you own it for 10 years, you can write it down over 10 years. Mm. If you buy a player and you want to put him on a contract for eight years, that's your funeral economically, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. so you should be able to capitalise it. And yeah. because the, all the guys suddenly saw Bowley doing this, they all went, well, we're not having that. Eight-year contracts, you can depreciate over eight-year contracts. It means that the depreciation is less. Mm-hmm. We want you back to five. And mm-hmm. in fact, and that's, that's silly. Another one at Chelsea's just out the door, Martin. In the last few minutes, Kepa, the goalkeeper, Kepa Arizabalaga, has just joined Real Madrid in a season-long loan deal. But Martin, you look at it, when it comes to players, Caicedo, 115 mil. Mm-hmm. Declan, 105. Enzo Maresca, uh, 106. Um, Endo Fernandez, that should be. Jude Bellingham, 88, rising to 115. W- what has happened to the premium midfielder market in recent months? Because these are ridiculous amounts of money that are, are being spent. Enzo Fernandez, 100, 106 plus. Caicedo, 115. Where is the sensible fee in all of this? Well, as Simon has just explained, if 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 we uh, if we think that they're ridiculous, but he's, even so, that's the market, and and if someone is prepared to pay that, there, then well, well and good. So uh, I, I think for, let, let's let's put Declan Rice in it. Declan Rice has been talked all over the summertime around about a hundred million pounds, and we're talking about this here for a supposedly defensive midfield player who might not score that number of goals. Yeah. But the more players now that come in in this, like around about 110, 115, 120. If I'm Declan Rice, I'll feel pretty comfortable about it now because I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not under severe pressure anymore. I, it's a wee bit like Trevor Francis arriving at, for the first million pound and Trevor was very concerned. He was very nervous about it, you know, because he was holding this million pounds. But once he got going, once he started to score a few goals and once then the market within not so long, as you've just mentioned there, Simon, uh, the million pounds became, uh, you know, uh, one and a half million pounds and things mm. like this here. And then suddenly Trevor's thinking, well, I'm fantastic value because <laughs> I've just scored in the European Cup final. Yeah. So the point I'm saying to you is it's it's what you're having to pay for it. Are, are, are we, uh, yes, we're sitting around here and we're, we're, we're amazed that we're spending, uh, that teams are, are, are buying, uh, let's say, defensive midfield players essentially for a hundred million pounds. It's insane, isn't it? Here's another one that could be insane in terms of numbers involved. Neymar looks like Al-Halal in Saudi Arabia have agreed a deal with Paris Saint-Germain to sign Neymar. Mm. You can imagine some of the figures going on in that one. Uh, The kind of money that's coming his way. See, the dynamic on that is different. And this is where the concern factor comes in about Saudis. They're not paying big transfer fees. What they're doing is they're breaking the ecosystem of wages. Transfer fees have value. Yeah. Because you capitalise them. The moment you write someone out a transfer fee, they're on your balance sheet. You spend 100 million quid over here, you replace them with a 100 million pound asset. You start paying wages, they just go out the door. They're a drain on profit. Mm. The problem with the Saudi league 
is that they're prepared to pay players £600,000 a week, £700,000 a week, £800,000 a week. They're not worried about transfer fees. That's not, they're not, we're not seeing the transfer fee market right now in Saudi. They're just paying sort of nominal fees, £10, £15 million, £20 million here. But what they're doing is they're going, we'll pay £50 million a year for a footballer. And then all of a sudden, footballers start saying to English Premier League clubs, the Liga football clubs, Serie A football clubs, and whoever else that's in, in, in football, hang on a second, I'm underpaid over here. Mm. I can go over to Saudi and I can mm. get £600,000 mm. a week. Yeah. And that's the danger and the jeopardy that... that that is that results in the Saudi league. Yeah, and that's where the issue is. That's right. Wages, and that's why uh, Michael Emanalo out in the Saudi league. He's now chief exec of it, saying, "Don't worry, watch us go. We will get the biggest names in world football to come to Saudi Arabia, precisely for the reason that Simon's just uh, outlined." A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Download, stand well back. Listen, Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. You must have been pretty wide-eyed when you saw Harry Kane as I was at the weekend when you saw Kane in a Bayern Munich shirt. Thought, my God, it actually has happened. And there was all sorts of uh, pantomime comings and goings on Friday morning when, no, he's not quite at Stansted Airport yet. He's very close to it. He's at relative's home. He's been told not to travel at this stage. Will there be a last-minute hitch? Well, he went there. And Kane is now a Bayern Munich player. But if you're Postacoglu, having come down from Celtic, Martin, Mm. and you're at Tottenham, and you're now seeing what's going on, animosity from the fans towards the board, no European football, and your talisman, the main man Kane has gone. Um, Expectations and the mood, is it so low right now around the football club that it could inadvertently work in Ange's favour? Well, yeah, I mean, the expectation is low now at Tottenham Hotspur, uh, primarily because Harry Kane has left, the talisman has gone, and... um, and now they'll be looking around here to to get some sort of re- replacement. If in fact they do, if they think that it's not within the um, within the confines of the football club at the moment. So yeah, expectation. Uh, uh, Postecoglou's come into the job. I'm sure when when he took it, there must have been some sort of thinking about that that Harry Kane would leave the football club. Now, 
I'm a manager, <coughs> excuse me, I, I, I want to draw some sort of comparison here. Not exactly, but when I went to Aston Villa, first of all, uh, Gareth Barry wanted to leave the football club. There was no success at the club. It was been happening. He was a really good player. He'd lost his place in, in the England side. He hadn't been around for about a couple of years. So the most important thing for me, I felt at that time, was to try and persuade Gareth Barry to stay at the club to give me a chance, selfishly, as much as anything else. And eventually we were able to do that, which was good. Now, Harry Kane has been a number of years there at Tottenham. He's been their player. He's scoring the goals. He's done all those particular things. Got to a Champions League final. Lost in the final. Maybe that might have made a difference if you go and win something. Now, has what did he want to do? Did he want to go and become the record goal scorer in the Premier League? Another number of goals and then he beats Alan Shearer's record. Does he do that there? Or does he want in the next couple of years to be with a side that will be playing Champions League football and that who, whatever you say about Bayern Munich will have a chance? I'm not saying they can win it. I'm not saying... These things, but they will have a chance of competing. So that's the point. Now, getting to Postecoglou, he must have been thinking about that during the course of it. Has he been thinking about some sort of replacement? I don't know. The one thing I knew about Ange is that he will bring a really decent brand of footballer. But a brand of football is really fine, but you win football games. You've got to win. So from answering your point, has 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 because the expectations are a little bit lower? Yes, I think that will probably help him initially. Initially, yeah. like everything else yeah. is initial, you know, and then after that, there you've got to put your own mark on it. Right. So, Harry, maybe watch from distance as Tottenham drew 2 2 at Brentford. As far as, as Kane himself is concerned, though, there was no doubt about it. He had to go. No, of course, it was. it's always going to be a tough decision. I've been at, I was at Tottenham for 19 years of my life. So, you know, everyone knows that the club is connected with me and with my heart. But Ultimately, like I said earlier, I'm a professional and I've always pushed myself to my limits and I just felt like the time was right, you know, I needed to be playing at the highest level, I needed to be playing Champions League, playing, win, trying to win titles every year. Um, so when I, when I thought about it and obviously Bayern got in touch, it was a decision I wanted to, wanted to make and um, of course the people would talk about the record and talk about Shearer, but look, I'm... You know, I've got plenty of football left in, in my career. For now, it's to concentrate on trying to achieve things here, trying to push myself, trying to push the team and try and reach new levels with this club. And that's what my focus is on right now. So it's good luck to Harry Kane at Bayern Munich. But I don't know about you, Simon, over the weekend, certainly Friday, Saturday, mm. I was watching a lot of the coverage of this. It almost got hysterical. Hello. Some Tottenham-loving media people were really overdoing it. I mean, there's life after Kane, there's life after any player. Well, of course there is. I mean, the currency at Tottenham Hotspur at this moment in time is that the last two years have been a bit of a debacle. You've had someone being taken out, an elite manager in Jose Mourinho being taken out on the eve of a cup final. You've had Conte come in and behave in a way that I don't think is representative of his status as an elite manager. I'm sure he's had his challenges. I'm sure he had his personal issues with all kinds of things that were going on in the background of his personal life. But he was a professional man that decided that he didn't like the place he was in and decided to set it on fire. Now, Daniel Levy is culpable for some of that. Of course he is. This idea that I will not um, uh, castigate Daniel for some of the things he's done, the choices are his. He made the choice for Conti. He made the choice for Mourinho. So he's culpable for them. They're also culpable for the constant carping on of the culture inside a football club. They did nothing to change. Conti was saying the same things 18 months later about the culture in a football club that Mourinho was saying, and what have you been doing for the last 18 months then? You're part of that equation. The Harry Kane situation is an inevitability. Some would say it's a miracle that you kept him that long. I mean, you're, in a, you're a side that's trying to compete economically with some powerhouses in football, 
that are spending enormous amounts of money and Tottenham aren't built from that model. It's not Daniel Levy's money, it was Joe Lewis's money. And if Joe Lewis isn't going to give Daniel Levy any more money, then Daniel Levy's not going to rub his hands together and magic it up. He's going to have to magic it up out of the revenues of the football club. Yeah. And once upon a time, there was an argument suggesting that when Tottenham Hotspur made world record profits about four or five years ago, that a lot was going right. Now, of course, it's not going so well on the pitch, and of course the narrative sp spills, and the Levy crowd that don't like him want him out. I don't think it's constructive, I don't think it's going to help anybody, I don't think it's going to achieve anything, but I also think with Postacoglu, this is not a child, this is a 57-year-old manager that's been around, knows what he's looking at, and would have walked in the door, I would imagine, with an equitable swap, i.e. Tottenham wanted him and he wanted them, and would have had his eyes open. And I actually think there's a part of him, and I know this is probably going to be greeted with a degree of disdain, that was moderately relaxed about whether Harry Kane stayed or didn't stay. Ultimately, you don't want to lose 30 goals from your team, but there was also a style of play that he might want to play that might have lent itself, might not have lent itself to the way that Harry Kane's attributes are best served. I think you've described it perfectly. He looked moderately relaxed. I think Simon's bang on the money with with, with Ange. Well, I, I, Would you I'm, not have been the same? How no, can you be I'm, any different, No, I'm, I'm not terribly sure about that. I think that if you, you, you're stepping into a job here, you want to be successful, and you know that you have to get off to a reasonably decent start, as most managers do, they're getting less and less time now. And, and you're going to be judged by pretty early results in terms of your style of play for a start, which is, which is a nice thing, but also in terms of results. And your best, your best chance of getting results is, is by a, a proven player. And, and you, are, you are wanting to keep this player at the football club. Now, as you step in, and maybe Daniel Levy said to, to Ange immediately, by, by the way, there's a fairly decent chance he's going to leave, that Harry Kane is going to leave the football club. And Ange, would, as I mentioned earlier, would be aware of he that. He said it, didn't he? But, yeah, yeah, he said okay. it from the outset. But he said it for a while. First but, conversation but, yes. he had with Harry Kane, Harry Kane. So he knew it. So, so he knew it. That's yeah. fine. I'm not so sure that relaxes one because what you're thinking about, well, how do I get a replacement? Is Richarlison going to be the answer? I'm going to give him an opportunity. Is he going to be the answer at this minute? He should be because he's a top quality international player, has yet to prove it yet at Tottenham Hotspur at the moment. Yeah. But these are the things that be going through your mind. And and each day ticks down. You think to yourself, well, what 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 will happen? Because the first of September arrives, I've got I've got nothing I've got What's nothing else. You, like you. Um, as a as an experienced manager, that's not that's not one of those that bats his eyes and jumps at the first opportunity, right? He came in with yeah. a degree of people being vitriolic about who he was and what he was, right? And they, where's he done and what's he done? And everyone now understands this is a, a decent manager with an mm. antipodean outlook that's managed Celtic very well mm. and shown an outlook and an attitude. He would have priced this into his thinking when the first conversation he has with with Daniel Levy is, where am I in this conversation, mm. right? Well, if I'm joining Tottenham Hotspur. And I'm coming into this space and I've got a whole raft of challenges. I've got mm. a background noise against you. Mm. I've got a background noise against the team's performance. I've got a background noise against the style of play. Mm. And I've got my best player centre forward potentially out the door. Where's that conversation? And they would have been told there's a distinct possibility he's going to be mm. going. Yeah. Right? So when I say relaxed, mm. I don't mean you're sitting back with a cigar on. <laughs> I mean that you've got it, you've priced it into your thinking. Yes, so of course. you know what the solutions yeah. are going to be. Yeah. You've lost 30 goals. So now you're going to start building a side yeah. around the footprint that you want to put on it. And this clearly has to be a long-term mm. project because they've given him a four-year contract mm. on the outset. Mm -hmm. Normally, they don't do that. They don't give yeah. managers four-year contracts, and Spurs have given him this. Mm -hmm. So if unless he's dreadful, mm. unless he really is not fit for purpose, unless you mm. find himself in a situation where you've got a, a Nathan Jones moment mm. yeah. or you've mm. got a Graham Potter situation, mm. I'm not suggesting Potter can't come again, but in no. the incarnation no. of Chelsea, it was out of his depth. Yeah. If Potter Coglu isn't out of his depth, he's mm. going to be given his head. Mm. I didn't see much that I liked from Tottenham yesterday, to be honest. 
Um, mm. I thought they were very easy to play against and very ponderous, but that will come, I suspect, mm. over a period mm. of time. And he's got time, Martin. It's the 14th of August. He's got, he's got time to, get, uh, to <clears> get the replacement in. It's not going to be light for light with Kane. No, that's true. Uh, but f- fun enough, you, as, as a football manager, you think the 14th of August, suddenly the 21st is upon you and you haven't, you haven't done anything and then suddenly the 27th and, and you're looking around and, and you are wondering whether you're going to get the replacement in. Right, I, I accept what Simon has said and you've obviously agreed with him and I do. So the idea that, he, he, that Ange will start to be thinking about, about getting some sort of replacement in at a certain price, of course, like everything else. But overall, if I'm, I would have tried my best as a manager stepping into the job to try and keep him. But remarkably, I had a similar situation when I went to, to, to Celtic. Um, uh, Mark Vuduka wanted to leave the football club. Nothing at all to do with me. But Mark decided, because he had an argument with the chief executive, that he didn't want to play for, for Celtic anymore. And I tried over the phone, I must admit, because I didn't actually meet him. He was in Australia at the time. It might have been difficult. But, um, uh, but he said, no, absolutely no chance of going. Therefore, then my thinking process was, I need a replacement. And, uh, of course, Chris Sutton came in. And did I mean, Spurs have spent... <laughs> Spurs have spent was that a bad replacement? He was fantastic. Spurs have spent €193 million Euros so far this summer against, a, mm. against an incoming of about 120 The previous time they got a whole, a whole bunch of money in their hands, they mm. gave it to Alan Gilles Villas-Boas mm. and he turned it to dust. Right? <laughs> And, they, and that will have scarred Daniel Levy because he probably allowed a lot more influence mm. from manager at that time mm. than some would suggest he does going forward. In this instance, I think... Oh, sorry, can I stop you? Did you say that you were going to tone it down a little bit in terms of criticism, right? Okay. <laughs> that's okay. not criticism. Yeah, well, sorry, a, that, a, that was at four minutes past ten. It's a creative ten. observation. That was at four minutes past but ten. The, but it's, well universal, said, it's universally accepted that mm. the spend pattern as a result of the Gareth Bell transfer was... Mm. Wasted. They mm-hmm. bought a lot of yeah. players. They've yes. gone yeah. on and been yes. successful yeah. at some extent yeah. elsewhere, but they weren't successful with that spend pattern. They've now gone and delivered another big outcome, which is mm-hmm. Kane. Not yeah. the ideal situation for them, but the reality is, you've just sold a player for a hundred million mm-hmm. with a year to go on his contract. So, in real terms, you've done all right out of it. Yes. And now, how you redeploy that money is very, very important because some of these players that they're paying money for now are already in the minds of Tottenham fans on their books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've already had the right winner yeah. on their books. And now they've got to pay for him. Mm-hmm. So it gets booked into this year's transfer fees and it looks like a good spend for Spurs but the Spurs fans are going well we've been looking at him for a year yeah, fine yeah. we want to see someone else to look at as well mm-hmm. and that's the conundrum that they've got yeah, to yes. get past yeah. Yeah. but I, I genuinely think that Posta Coglu um, will be alright and I genuinely think that they will change the style of play. It'll be far more. You could see from Spurs yesterday they were already playing 10-15 yards further up the pitch mm-hmm. than they were playing under Conte um, whether that translates into a side that's going to win anything I doubt it this season but I, I just got a an optimistic feel that yeah. Spurs will be more competitive yeah. than the background noise suggests. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back tomorrow. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, 
you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.